This is The World in 10. Toby Gillis and Cara Bentley with you today, bringing you the best of the Times of London through the eyes of our writers every day in just 10 minutes. Lots to fit in today, including how the death of a Hollywood celeb's grandson has uncovered a fentanyl epidemic. We'll discuss whether Putin's grasp on Russia is genuinely slipping. And we'll hear about a rare combination, a political beauty queen. Fentanyl, a drug used for pain relief and anaesthetic, is 50 to 100 times more powerful than morphine. And you'll have heard its name more and more in recent years. Yeah, it's a Class A drug in the UK. But in the US, it can be given under medical supervision for pain. But it's also produced illegally for its relaxing or euphoric properties. But an overdose can result in respiratory failure or even death. And it's fentanyl that Robert De Niro's teenage grandson, who died last week, had in his system. With Leandro De Niro Rodriguez's mother writing this on Instagram. Someone sold him fentanyl-laced pills that they knew were laced, yet still sold them to him. So for all these people still f***ing around, selling and buying this s***, my son's gone forever. The 19-year-old's death has brought to the fore the frequency with which drugs are laced with fentanyl in America. Singers Prince and Coolio both had it in their systems when they died. Now, Kieran Southern, who's written the story in The Times, is not hopeful that another celeb death, seemingly at the hands of fentanyl, will change much on the streets. Politicians have come up with many different ways and means of trying to get those overdose numbers down from regulating other campaigners say the route to go is to get overdose reversal drugs into the hands of as many people as possible so unfortunately i don't think this one death is going to significantly change attitudes and it's not just an issue stateside As with a great many criminal trends, they drift eastwards too. Crime writer for The Times, Charlie Maloney, told us about the death in the UK of Gary Edwards, who accidentally took fentanyl. Mr Edwards' death was linked to a drug-dealing gang that were running what was termed a factory, manufacturing fentanyl and making £8,000 a week from its sale on the dark web. That being said, Charlie added that fentanyl has been targeted by the UK's National Crime Agency and that seems to have prevented the kind of epidemic the US has seen. Vladimir Putin's iron grip on Russia... Could it really be slipping? It's a fortnight since one of the biggest tests of his presidency, Yevgeny Prigozhin's failed or reversed, depending on whose account you believe, attempt to march his mercenary army into Moscow. After that, we know he was banished to Belarus, which seemed light punishment by Putin's standards. But now it's emerged he's back in Russia. And the Belarusian president, Lukashenko, has confirmed it, suggesting Prigozhin may be in St. Petersburg or even Moscow. And there are photos of him that have emerged too, seemingly wearing a multitude of disguises. Yeah, they absolutely have to be seen to be believed. Take a look now with the digital subscription at thetimes.co.uk. But while we may laugh a little bit at the look, the Times' Maxim Tucker says it's a problematic message for Putin that a simple, pretty cheap, frankly, disguise can get Prigozhin back into Russia against the president's wishes. 
Immediately after the uprising, Putin called together his chiefs of staff, his ministers and his security officials to demonstrate unity. And he's obviously still got control of the press because they've mounted this campaign, which is smearing Prigozhin. But if he's still alive and he's still in Moscow or St. Petersburg or wherever he is in Russia, that suggests that he has people in the security forces that back him, that protect him. And it's not easy for Putin to get at him. No doubt Russia is an unstable place at the moment and Putin and Prigozhin remain central to the narrative. Yeah, usually something has to give in that situation when it comes to Russia. So this one feels very much unfinished. An American reporter, 31-year-old Evan Gershkovitz, has now been detained in Russia for 100 days without an official trial. In March, Evan dropped out of contact with his editors whilst working in Yekaterinburg, a city in the middle of Russia. A post later appeared on the country's social media site Telegram describing a man with his face hidden being bundled from a restaurant and put into a van. Evan's employer, the Wall Street Journal, has interviewed his parents to mark this day. They fled the Soviet Union themselves and they told of the moment that they were able to speak to him as he stood in a glass box when he attempted to appeal his detention. I was just beside myself so happy. We were in deeply in our conversation. We were smiling and laughing. And... Uh, The guard brought me back to reality that I'm in a courtroom. My son is in this uh, aquarium, in this cage. And I had to realize where, where I was because I lost myself in that conversation. I was so happy to see him. Seeing him just, just brought, brought him a little bit back to me. Just uh, physical closeness made it uh, a little bit more bearable. The WSJ's editor, Emma Tucker, told Times Radio today that official diplomats have also been able to see him this week. Luckily, or at last, the US ambassador to Russia was granted access to Evan on the 3rd of July. And this was the first consular access that he'd been granted since April April the 17th, even though we were repeatedly asking for it. She was able to report back that he was in good spirits, he's in good health. It's obviously difficult for him, but insofar as anyone can bear up, he was bearing up. Now, the Wall Street Journal has the same parent company as The Times, so we are, in a sense, colleagues. Yeah, and because of that, we make no apology for bringing this story to your attention because... Frankly, it could happen to any one of us. Evans' detention is an attack on press freedoms. If you're listening to The World in 10, you're clearly interested in world news. But what we try to do here is cover them in a unique way, from the Times of London's perspective, using all our expertise. And this next story is a great example of that. Yeah, we don't want to tell you what you already know about the US Supreme Court, but Will Pavia, the Times' New York correspondent, has uncovered an unusual angle, I guess, from which to write about it. He interviewed, believe it or not, Miss Texas. That's right. It's usually an apolitical position, particularly sensible in an area as politically sensitive as Texas. It is, definitely. But beauty queen Avery Bishop has been anything but quiet during her year in the position. She's talked Roe versus Wade, gun rights, race, immigration, same-sex marriages... 
and plenty more as well, mostly in opposition to the court's judges. Will told us he felt compelled to speak with Avery and found someone typically Texan in their manner, if not their politics. The legislature there has led on these quite sort of Trumpy issues. They've tried to keep building the wall that Trump wanted, attacked sort of diversity and inclusion programs in universities. So to have this lady who's sort of Miss Texas challenging them on some of these things has been really striking. How did she say? She said, I put on my big girl cowboy boots and my chaps and I say, yeehaw, giddy up. She can ride a horse, but she's very much who she is. Sailing, Cara. Not a sport we cover often on The World in 10, we've got to say, but this is no ordinary story. No, I think it's fair to say many people want to cut their carbon footprint at the moment, and many people would also still like to travel the world, though. You are not wrong. So let's all be inspired by Mr Marcus Pukkanen. This is a Canadian firefighter who, well, he set out to circumnavigate the globe, but without using so much as a drop of refined oil. And he's actually managed it. Marcus used bikes, kayaks, skis and a pogo stick (laughs) to avoid any sort of motorised travel and not once did he even use an elevator or an escalator. No, not a short holiday though. Only took him the eight years to complete. 45,000 miles he did. It included stops in India, Africa and China. So it is possible. It is, yes. But if I'm honest, I'm not sure you could do a week in Benidorm without taking six weeks off work just yet. Maybe it'll inspire us to walk or cycle home, at least. Speaking of which, Toby. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, it is all we've got time for. The World in 10 will be back with another edition tomorrow, of course. See you then. See you then.